this is Adrian Tavares from Solstice Live, and you're tuned in to the Feedback Podcast. What up, everybody? This is Back and Back by Popular Demand. This is the Feedback Podcast, the only podcast about the Austin scene and the Austin nightlife. I had to bring it back. I was on hiatus for a little bit. Uh, so many things are going on with our city. I have to get back to work. I have to turn the mics back on. Man, how many back jokes can I make in one intro? Anyway, this is episode number 93. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. So as you all know, the ACL lineup just dropped. And who best to talk about ACL and festivals than our returning champ, Nico. So he has all the numbers. Weekend 1 versus Weekend 2. Uh, local acts versus international acts. All kinds of data, all kinds of good, great information. So we'll break it down uh, for you on this show. Also, we have to talk about Prop 1 and the outcome and Uber and Lyft are gone. Uh, so who best to talk about this than our friend Jeff Kirk, who's an attorney, a TNC guru. He's been involved with this process since 2014. So he helps us make sense of this whole mess, the campaign, talk about the money, city council, and the alternatives, and we break down all of these different components to this issue. So all in all, a great show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. It's good to be back, and let's go. And welcome to the Feedback Podcast, everybody. My name is Back. It's been a while. I know. It's been a couple of months or so. And uh, since what? It was South by Southwest was the last after. one? Yeah. And uh, I had to take a break. Some stuff happens. Life happens. Shit happens. All kinds of shit happens. But I'm back. That is the point. And uh, no pun. It is my name. There's nothing I can do about Beat it. Beat me to it. I love it. Oh, come <laughs> on now. <laughs> Too easy. Anyway. We're back on the Feedback Podcast. Shout out to everybody on the internet for tuning in. And as a, my returning champion, we got Miko in the house. How you doing? Hello, Austin and the rest of the world. Jeff Kirk, how you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. And uh, Glad to be here. We're going to be talking about ACL, the lineup that came out last week a little bit. But the reason why Jeff is in the studio is this whole mess that is the Uber and Lyft, Prop 1, all the crap that's been going on. People are mad. People are upset. People are happy. The mayor's happy. Well, I don't know. Anyway, so Jeff is here to uh, make sense of all of that stuff. And uh, we're going to get this thing going. The chat is going on. Go to uh, thefeedback.com slash Mixler, M-I-X-L-R. So let's start with ACL, and then we'll get into the whole Prop 1 thing. Uh, so the lineup came out, Miko. Indeed it did. It came, out, it came out on Thursday, May 5th, and tickets went on sale later on that morning. Yeah. So uh, you're a vet. I mean, you've been on the show many times talking about ACL. I mean, this man right here, Jeff, just give me your heads up. This man right here studies festivals. Like, <laughs> he has charts <laughs> and Excel spreadsheets. I do. Really? And he researches wow. the artist, and he's like, hey... You know, there's a rumor that maybe this artist is in town, is on tour, like that kind of that level of like detail. Okay. Okay. So Miko, just go everybody ahead. Everybody has their hobbies. Yeah, everybody <laughs> got time to chill. Everybody got, got, not everybody has a life. <laughs> well, well, but everybody benefits from what I have my research. That so. is true. That and is you're true. You're about to right now. So good point. That is true. So how about a little background on ACL and, and what's been going on? 
Well, ACL started when? In like 2002? What's its 15th anniversary uh, so 2000, for 2016, so 2001. Is that 2002 on Wikipedia? Uh, well, 15 years. Oh, you know, I didn't no, count the zero. Yeah, this would be... Yeah, that's 15. 15. You're right, yeah. 2002. Ah, how can Wikipedia... Wikipedia can't be wrong. It can't be wrong. Come on now. I was about to go change it's it right wiki. now on Wikipedia. <laughs> By the way, do you, know, do you know why it's called C3? No, I don't. I do. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, the... the First names of the three founders all start with C. Yeah, and they're all Charles. Yep. Boom. Charlie, Charles, and Charles. Char- now, Charlie et-, et al., Charlie Jones, and Charlie Walker founded C3, and then they did the, They also do the Austin Wine and Food Festival, which got canceled this year. <laughs> Unfortunately. We'll start to talk about that. And also the Palooza in Chicago. Yeah, they, the they, they've really blown up over past 10 15 years oh yeah i mean they don't they do they did festivals like in australia yeah and they do, right they have a new acl called the auckland music festival in new zealand mm-hmm. really yeah i didn't and, know about uh, that yeah auckland music festival See, so I'm it's ACL. You, this man researches the shit <laughs> <laughs> it's only one day it was it's actually in march so it just passed it was the first year they did it there but they plan on doing it every year by the way do you know why they switched from one day to two I mean, to one weekend to two weekends to make to make more money to copy Lollapalooza. <laughs> I know that the city sense. voted in it. You know, yeah, the city happened. council was like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." And then the first year crash because <laughs> the, se- the second weekend got flooded. Yeah, it did. I went the first weekend. I went that was my second. first ACL. Oh, I really? I, so you, did you? I mean, it got canceled, right? Yeah. All, all together, there wasn't even one day, was it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, there was. So. The first year, there were two weekends. I was, what, 2013? Uh-huh. Uh, first weekend, perfect weather. Yes. my little weather chart over here. I, I remember that. that. There was Outcast. There was Eminem. There wrong. was <clears throat> Lettuce. There wrong, was... wrong year. Wrong year? <laughs> that was my first year. Oh, uh, that was 2014. That was 20... Yeah, it was 2014. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I know you can't question me, right? So. Uh, see, all right, all right. I will let the master speak. I will shut up. It's my show, but I'll shut the fuck up, Nico. Go ahead, so, take it away. 2013 was its first year. It um, perfect weather the first weekend. Second weekend, Friday was fine. Saturday, I forget who the two bands were, but I think the Cure played because that's how I was seeing. And uh, it started pouring down rain. Now the Cure pl- kept playing. They they closed it, but there was there was about two inches of rain that night. That and it went from like six to ten or eleven Wait, whenever they closed. So what happened to, to their typically elaborate makeup and hair? <laughs> well, first of all, it, uh, the time hadn't been very kind to Cure already. Uh, so, uh, fair enough. You know, the life of a rock star will do that to you. So, uh, <laughs> I think the water probably helped because I was far enough away where it, it was all blurred <laughs> because of the rain. So, maybe that helped them. But they kept performing. I'll give it to them. Um, they definitely had their makeup and they, it wasn't a covered stage that well. So, I mean, I didn't see all that, but I'm sure it was a mess. Um, on Sunday, well, that night into the, into the next day, it continued to rain. And Sunday got four inches. So in a matter of like less than 12 to 15 hours, there was six inches of rain. It was like a swimming pool at Zilker. So they canceled it. What is it with natural disasters in ACL? I mean, when, what year was it when it was 107 or something ins- insanely hot? So I believe that was a year of the uh, hurricanes, Katrina and Rita. So I was like 05. You were there? I was. I was in, living in Houston at the time. I was trying to go to ACL, but all that mess happened. And um, it was really hot because uh, the hurricanes pushed the high pressure to Austin, and yeah. all the hot hot air was over there. Yeah, I heard about it. It was a dust bowl. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's better than a rolling, literal shit fest. 
<laughs> as with the Dillo Dirt. Do you go to yeah. ACL? Have you been before? I've been. Um, I kind of declared a self-imposed moratorium on outdoor music festivals. Uh, to, whoa, 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 whoa! Why? Let's hear more about this. Yeah, what, what, this, what's your feedback on this? No, my, <laughs> tis, my my personal tis preference in, as far as like seeing bands is seeing them up close in a small oh, venue. Okay, yeah. I still do South by. I love going to like the smaller clubs. That I mean, even you know something like uh, Stubbs, you can at least get somewhat close to the stage. Whereas unless you stake out. You know, seats seven hours in advance. You're not going to get anywhere near the stage. Oh no, this man camps all day to the front. (laughs) Well, I have a strategy. That's only one stage, though. Yeah, no, I know. There's eight of them at ACL. There is. So, I mean, I don't want to get too down in the strategy of of attending ACL. We'll cover that in a separate session. But I usually choose one day where I'm going to get really close to the stage. Uh You know, I'm 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 getting up there in age. I can't do it every day. And I'll go right up to the front. And I'll get there early because it's a band I really want to see that one day. Like, the one day I can do it. And I'll get there like 3 or 4 o'clock and I'll just be there all day. That's gross. The other two days, I hop around the entire time. I don't, I don't get close. All right, let's, let's move on to the lineup itself. So you have a whole graph that, I, I swear to God, if you could see this right now, Miko has an Excel spreadsheet with a pie chart of, like, the percentage of, uh, 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 by each genre of music, international act versus local acts. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, so let's break it down here. So the lineup is pretty good. So one of the big things we want to talk about in this session was what's the better weekend? Or not really what's the better weekend, but what's, what's, what, is, what does each weekend have to offer? And so, I mean, one thing to look at is the genres. What type of music do you like versus, you know, other genres? And quick breakdown of the different genres, at least the ones that I hear the most. Um, rock at ACL tends to be the biggest genre. And I'll say that I compiled all the groups together, and rock consists of about 32%. Um, you know what second place is? It's not hip-hop. Electro- it's electronica? Very close. Actually, not close. Metal? Enough. Country. Really? Yeah. Really? Willie Nelson is like... Well, Willie Nelson, into that. <laughs> Willie Nelson does cut into that. So a lot of, you know, uh, ACL is really big about pulling in the locals. And in Texas, in the city and in Texas, and Texas clearly has a lot of country music. Uh-huh. So country comes in at 11%. Now, what you'd be surprised is that R&B comes in at 10%. Is there like Gallant? Is Gallant is going to be So there. a lot of those acts that were here for South, South by, by here. Gallant, Corinne Bailey Ray. Uh, there's a bunch of more underground artists that are going to be there. Wait, I wa- so, I- so how do you classify to the big, biggest headliners, Radiohead and LCD Sound System? Um, I would classify, I mean, to put, I got to put them in a general category, and I okay. put them both as rock. Okay. Um, LCD sound system, I mean, I really, if, if I could get rock, if I could break it down to further categories, I'd say more of like electronic or synthesized rock. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd have way too many categories if I start getting too subgenred. So yeah. I did have to put people in a bit, bit of a big box mm-hmm. in that sense. So, I mean, a lot of those are they're already on tour, I would assume. So a lot of groups do festival tours, and they'll, do, they'll hit up a bunch of different tours, uh-huh. a bunch of different festivals happening from what? From Coachella all the way to ACL. ACL is one of the ones at the far end. I think Fun 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 Fest is really the, one of the latest. And right, ra- so Radiohead is, I think, specifically doing that. Yeah. And so, I mean, Outkast did that as well. They hit the festival circuit when they, when they had their tour, the, 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 your first ACL, if you will. Right. Um, so you have that. Um, I will, I will point out groups that ACL is missing that are on other festival tours, at least one of them that I really wanted to see. Um, Big Graham, the combination of Big Boy and Phantogram. They were here for they're South, for South by. by. Why would they come yeah. back in for ACL? Well, because 
that South by venue only fit like 400 people. And so oh, yeah, 10,000 like, people outside like didn't get in. <laughs> Including you. <laughs> Ooh, salt, salt, salt. <laughs> when they write up the, the lineup for every festival, you know they put the, the headliners and big names and big font size and then the one nobody gives a shit about in small, like, five-point uh, <laughs> font. Uh-huh. I saw a lot of people being mad that Willie Nelson was, like, on the third line. You see that shit? I did, but yeah. I, I'm... L Cool J is on the fourth line. I mean... L Cool J, Radiohead. Well, here's the thing. What's LL Cool J's last song he came out with new? Uh, Stop. I don't know. I already won. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's true. Radiohead just that's released an album. There's an album. Yeah, that's Radiohead true. Radiohead just released, released an album. Kendrick Lamar, another, yeah. another headliner, just released an album. He's really hot right now. I mean, so that's Kendrick a lot Lamar of what... will always be hot because he's going to keep cranking those things out. Well, I mean, until you're LL Cool J. <laughs> yeah, and then you have your own TV show. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, LL Cool J is 48. I mean, he's aging. It's, it's, it'd be good to see him. He's one of my aging artists you should see now. Yeah, that's true. You may not see him again and... He may not be this prime prime, but he's still close enough to it. Like, you're still going to see a better show rather than you'll see him five. Oh, see, classics. That, that's why I was hosting, hoping that NWA would, would perform at the Hall of Fame. Ooh, Even though I know. Yeah. Now. Uh, any more percentages you want to share? Yeah, so there is. So, um, of as far as international versus Yeah, international versus, versus local, local, yes. Or so out of state first, versus first local. Say, first of all, I'll say, I, didn't, I, didn't, I had the opportunity to grab just Texas, but I didn't. Um, I just counted them as General USA, but I did grab all the Austin artists, and there's 11% of the lineup is Austin. That's not bad for yeah. such a big festival. Shout out to Keeper. Keeper. Magna Carta made the list. Oh, nice. Um, there's a couple of others out there that I saw that I listened to. So, I mean, shout out to all the local bands that made it. Be happy to see y'all out there playing the early shows. Yeah, um, they put them in the morning, them. but yeah. Yeah, like 11, 12, 1, usually those shows. Get there early, folks. Support and Austin you know, music. There's not a big... Like, you can easily get to the front of the stage for those early shows. Like, people don't start going and coming in droves about four or five. Right. Um, internationally, uh, let's see. We have 30% international. So, people oh, from, wow. yeah, that's, that's a pretty big list. Now, international includes a lot of the rock and electronic from, like, England. That's a huge percentage. Australia as well, right? So, our other English-speaking cousins mm-hmm. are make up a big percentage of that. But you have people from Sweden, France, South Africa. Why not? Most artists that get booked, particularly if they get booked both weekends, uh, they are contractually obligated not to perform at any non-C3 event. I think that's only within the U.S. So that's Interesting kinda, clause that they get yeah. around. Oh, nice. I, I'm so a lawyer. That's why they go to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, that, you know, and, you know, that's for good for reason. obvious reasons, yeah. yeah. But I think that's their out. Basically, <laughs> not bad, not bad. I, I mean, they could go play there during a the week. I mean, that's a challenge because the artists can't perform essentially during the middle of the week between their two acts, mm-hmm. and so they're just sitting around doing nothing. I mean, they can't even perform in any other states in the U.S. So, why not go to to Mexico that's not far away and perform? Yeah, I'm not sure if the if any of their Mexican dates are during the week or I I thought that they were on the weekend. It was specifically the bands that only played one weekend here. Ah, um, you know, and that brings up another topic. Typically, since it's been two weekends, most bands have played both weekends. I mean, True. this, this year, them, yeah, yeah, this year was the most I've ever seen it, where you had more exclusives on each weekend. Again, another calculation calculation I ran up: thirty five percent, thirty five percent delta between each weekend. So there's thirty five percent different a differential in artists. Wait, so which one are you going to? <laughs> Wait, the first, because the second's Texas OU. So I made a promise to myself this year, 
because I have never seen Willie Nelson. I know, I know. Yeah. I haven't either. I get the shock. Yeah. So I'm going to promise myself (laughs) this year I would see him. I may have to leave. I don't know if I can sit next to you. Well, I'm going to change that in six months. Well, I'll be happy to see him. I miss him at Stubbs and all the other things he does because it's always conflicting with some other events. So So Willie Nelson. So so second weekend is my focus. That's going to make me miss Texas OU, which sucks. Oh, I was wrong. But I actually bought a ticket for both weekends. (laughs) You did? Because there was... so many exclusive artists on both sides. Yeah. And I figured I either will go both weekends or I'll sell one of them when it gets close. All right. Let's move on to the topic of the day, of the week. Prop 1 failed after Uber and Lyft spend, what, $8 million, something like that? I think the total is now 9-1. Holy shit. 9.1, yeah. That's what I said. So just so people know, give us your background on how are you related to all of this uh, madness. Well, it goes back quite a way. Um, back in 2014, uh, that's the year that both Lyft and Uber came to town by surprise. Uh, they were initially completely unregulated and illegal, even though they tried to claim, and this is kind of where the genesis of the whole rideshare term is, even though it's not uh exactly accurate is that they were trying to claim that because ride sharing is allowed by federal law. So that's what they were claiming they were doing and that they were accepting not payment, but drivers accepted quote unquote donations. This is, I mean, this so is, if, if I wanted to carpool, I'd be, it'd be considered ride sharing and I could take, you know, five bucks for gas from the people I'm riding with. I'm the people yes. I'm driving. I could. You could do that, and you could also uh, claim a tax deduction for wear and tear on your car. Oh, wow. So that was a loophole that they took advantage of. Well, they tried, and uh, basically nobody in Austin or anywhere else in the country bought it. Oh, okay. So the, what happened was in June 2014, the city council, the former city council, appointed a uh, working group that had a total of about 25 people. Most of them were stakeholders, including representatives from the three traditional taxi companies, the uh, e-cab company, the pedicab guy, uh, some of the shuttle services and all that. I was there because actually at the time I was in law school. I went to law school a little bit later in life and my... One of my main specialties is consumer law. And Mm -hmm. so I was there kind of as a proxy, uh, looking out for the needs of just the Austin citizenry and also drivers. I mean, drivers for both taxis and future TNC drivers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this working group, we, it it was, I kind of pulled a few strings to get appointed to it. Um, it you know, it, it was totally closed session. We met regular, reg, yeah, regularly for a total of five months. Oh, damn. And it, you know, it was, it was run by the city's uh, transportation department. Certainly a lot of the discussions got heated, as you might imagine. So Lyft and Uber were already at the table at the time? Or it was oh, yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. No, no. Lyft and Uber were there, uh, as were 
they I think they each had one lobbyist and then they each had one uh like public policy type. Okay. And so in September, uh former council member Chris Riley I don't know if you guys remember any of this, but he introduced a draft ordinance and caught the rest of us totally fucking off guard. He told, like, no one at the city or anyone else that he was introducing it. So um, we had to scramble to... I mean, we had already decided most... I mean, we had already worked out a lot of the issues, including fingerprinting, which, you know, is the one that has been kind of the root cause of all the Prop 1 hullabaloo. And um, so we ended up merging our 90% finished uh, draft with Riley's and the city council approved it. I mean, it had three readings and they approved it. It was actually one of their final acts before uh, the election. And, you know, we switched from uh, a, you know, Entirely at large council. We were the last major city in America to have it uh-huh. to just the 10 1 system we have now with 10 district representatives and the mayor mm-hmm. who, who counts, quote unquote, counts as a council vote. So um, the ordinance passed. Everybody was happy with it. Um, I mean, it was happy with it. At the well, time, oh, yeah. You're talking about the one that passed in December? No, no, no. I mean the, the first one. Oh there, was, oh, there was another one. The one in 2014. Oh, okay. Okay, everybody was happy with it except for the taxi lobby. And it was the tax... All right. Like, I went, went into this, you know, these, this working group thinking that Uber in particular were going to be just a bunch of fucking assholes. And <laughs> it turned out, okay, they were not, like, the nicest people, but... The assholes were actually the taxi people. They were just, they would not compromise on anything. So, what happened was... Sounds like the drivers. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going. That's all right, go ahead. Well, okay, so the the taxi industry on on whole uh, contributed rather significantly to the campaigns of uh, a number of... Council members who were subsequently elected. Follow the money. In, including Ann Kitchen. Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> um, and Kathy Tovo. Uh, and, I mean, where we left things after, I mean, the ordinance was approved, the original ordinance was approved six to one. And we left things that, I mean, it was, you know, quote, unquote, a pilot ordinance. Uh, it was only called that because uh, Chris Riley, that's how he had named it in his draft so we had we were kind of stuck with that name but what we ended up with was 90% finished and the issues that we did not reach a consensus on actually I mean none of them had to do with fingerprinting uh it was mainly like how to provide transit for the disabled and also like the schedule of fees mm-hmm. so basically um we had a directive in there that the next council, you know, six, yeah, wait at least six months, see what is and is not working, and then the next council can address what's not working. That's not what happened. <laughs> what happened, uh, and I found this out um, 
A lot of people don't know this, but Texas, actually most states have a pretty full-throated, uh, you know, it's a state-level variation on FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. So in Texas, we have the Open Records Act. So you can request copies of just about anything that any document that is produced by any uh, municipal or state-level agency. So I requested, I mean, I, in Am Kitchen, I mean, way back like last April or May, started saying things that I was just like, okay, she is saying almost verbatim what the... CEO of the largest ta- taxi company in town was saying. So, when did, the, when did the new discussion start? Like everything that's happened now, like where you're going with this, uh-huh. like we're proper. When did that part? When did that part start? Right. So, etiquette. Apparently, the, the you know, like you said, the council members. A lot of the, the money they got for uh, for the campaign came from the taxi lobby. Right. So, how did how did we come to December? We're voting, and uh, they vote to pass this ordinance that said that we're going to require uh, this is going to require a, a mandatory uh, fingerprinting. Like how how did how did that start? Well, uh, I was I was get, I was getting there. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I don't mean to rush you, but go ahead. Okay, so instead of waiting six months, uh, the taxi lobby, you know, which not I don't think they bought her vote, but they, they definitely bought access to her and her policy aid. Um, I, I requested copies of all of the email between her office and the taxi companies. And they first started talking in March, which would have been about six weeks after the new council, including Ann Kitchen, took office. And definitely less than six months before I... Uh, you know, they were supposed to be talking about it again. Uh-huh. And it was gradually after that, that, I mean, probably during the summer, I mean, nothing gets done in the summer around here just because it's so hot and so many people leave town. But the mobility committee, which Ant Kitchen chairs. Oh, that's, it, that's convenient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure how that happened, but um, it's, uh, just without any input from, I mean, in ignoring the fact that 25 actual stakeholders who knew all this shit really well had decided this. I mean, we had already gone over this. She essentially unilaterally forced a bill with very little public comment and no comment. I mean, no, you know. Sorry, go ahead. Finish up and I have a question for you. Um, and not, did not allow the um, either Uber or Lyft to respond to any of her concerns. That happened, uh, I think, around September. And it evolved from there into the ordinance that was passed in December. But did she see something um, in going on in other cities? And they're like, oh, they got away with it. And I don't know if it was Houston. Houston, Houston. got, yeah, Houston, Houston. Uh, Dallas maybe. No, not Dallas. No, well, Houston for sure. 
Uh, so let's see if we can pull it off in Austin. And on top of that, taxi lobby is like, yeah, yeah, come on, let's do this because we want to get this motherfuckers out of town. Because it. Well, okay. I mean, Houston was frequently mentioned like as a rationale. Oh, they haven't Uber accepted this in Houston, so they can do it here. That ignores two rather pertinent fa- facts. Number one. 99% of the rest of the country does not do that. They explicitly decided not to have fingerprints, and they weren't bribed or anything like that. Fingerprinting was only an issue in, I think, five or six cities. And number two, in Houston, Uber did not, quote-unquote, accept it. They were actually adamantly opposed to it. And Lyft, you never saw this in the anti-Prop 1 ads, Lyft left town, left Houston, because it passed the fingerprint ordinance. And Uber had started talking as early as last August about exiting Houston because, I mean, there are, I'll put it this way, there are fewer drivers in Houston, the nation's fourth largest city, and a city that's three times the size of Austin there are fewer drivers in Houston than in Austin, and they also don't have competition from Lyft there. Uh-huh. And they had a total of the application process to become a driver there is so onerous that they had a total of over 20,000 drivers who started it. And you know they were not disqualified because they have a criminal record or any, anything, but they started it because it takes at least two and a half days to do all of it, Mm -hmm. including getting a physical for a job that requires sitting all day. I mean, just things like that. (laughs) Getting a vehicle inspection that is an exact duplicate of what everyone in Texas already gets for their car annually. Um, Yeah, they said, fuck it. And so Uber... So Uber left. Sorry? Uber left Houston, right? No, no. Lyft left Houston. Lyft left Houston, left Houston. I'm talking about the drivers, the 20,000 wow. drivers who started but then decided it's not worth it. Because, the, I mean, the average – I'll put it this way. 80% of TNC drivers nationwide work fewer than 20 hours a week, and more than half work fewer than 15. So, I mean, this is just like making a bit of extra pocket change. I mean, And, and also 60% of the total – are already full-time employed with benefits and all that, salaried on the side. So this is really genuinely just a gig to earn some extra pocket money, pay off your credit card bills, that kind of thing. When you make it too complicated, people are just like, fuck it. Um, Why bother? It's too much trouble. So for the people that, you know, problem was defeated here in Austin and, and, you know, they they had their same mirror thing in, in Houston. For the people that are for the fingerprinting and for whatever regulations it are, what do you what do you say to them? Is there something? Is there what do you say to them to kind of avail their concerns that they have? Some people want the fingerprinting. Some people want that extra layer. Well, um, a few things. Uh, number one, I mean, I think that I mean, it, you know, it's I don't know if there's going to be any surveys or polls, but I mean, I do know that. A lot of people voted against it mainly because they were just completely pissed off at Uber and Lyft for this admittedly ridiculous $9 million ad campaign. I mean, I got 
at at least nine different flyers. Mm-hmm. I mean, all different mm-hmm. from you know, ride-sharing works, the, the pack that they, you know, they entirely funded. The Robotex. Yeah, the Robo. Okay. <laughs> I, want, I want to touch on the campaign. By, by the way, we're talking to Jeff Kirk here. We used to work uh, with the Austin Transportation Network company. Is that? Uh, no, I was appointed. Working group, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I never worked. I, I was a non-stakeholder. So I, I had no, uh, no horse in this race, basically. Gotcha. So I want to talk about the campaign because I mean they spent like you said nine almost nine million uh, nine point one nine point one million. I think it's the most so whether whether you were for or against, I got to say that the campaign was not handled properly. I completely agree. It was it, it, was, it was bad. Absurd. One one there was a lot of misinformation. Yep. Uh, two, I think it was you know it's one of the, it's one of those debates where you think okay these guys are just trying to bully their way into. You know, it's to do it to do with business. You know, the 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 text message, hey, it's Karen. Make sure you vote for part one. I'm like, bitch, yeah. I don't know you. And two, <laughs> yeah, I got don't this don't too. don't text me. You know, I see. I mean, between the ads, the 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 signs on the lawns, the the TV, the Facebook. I mean, it was everywhere. Yeah, it was it was everywhere to where it was too much and it turned people off. I, yeah, I agree with that. I completely agree. And on top of that, you know, you had. Um, you know, well, the mayor came ag- came up came against it. There was like the, I saw a chart that showed like all the associations and the people that were uh, for it and against it. Well, okay, that. Um... But that, most of the against it was like the Democratic Association of somewhere in around Austin, plus it's, the it's... Chronicle, plus you know no, all yeah. these outlets. Okay, it was the Travis County Democratic Party that first came out against it, which came as a surprise given that its director actually owns one of the ECAB companies and they should otherwise, and I mean, ride hailing, ride, ride sharing, whatever you want to call it, g- generally speaking, is a very progressive public policy. So I know why the uh Travis County Democrats came out against it. I I I can't really discuss it. <laughs> but that is what was the impetus for all these other groups. I mean, they were first and everyone else kind of kind of fell in line. But I, I, it's one of those things that like I didn't want it to be a a, a partisan type I, of debate. I agree. You know, uh and then next thing you know the the Chronicle has an editorial saying we urge our list, our readers to vote against Prop One and blah 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 blah. I'm like, I, why? Why the Chronicle? Why are you going to take sides involved, on this? Yeah. Exactly. Why are you taking sides on this? Like, this is not. You're supposed to just report the shit. And like I saw, that like KUT had some great articles, and there was a nice uh, one that actually broke down Prop One. Like, if you if you vote yes, this is what it means. If you vote no, this is what it means. There wasn't like, enough like of that. that. This, that was that was a few, but not. It wasn't enough. It, it was. You had to was, search for it. Yeah, it wasn't the majority of the coverage. You're right. No, KUT had some great coverage, and they're one of the few groups that did. Most of the statesman coverage was frankly abysmal, except for one article where. Uh, okay, I did not mean that. Abysmal. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. no the, the reporter's name is Ben Ware. Uh, oh. Okay, so he wrote. A, an expose in February talking about 
the reality of these background checks for taxi drivers. Uh-huh. And no one knew, even I did not know until this, that number one, only that at that time, only background checks in the, it was a DPS check. So they only checked the state of Texas. They could be, someone could have been an axe, literally an axe murderer in the other 49 states, but as long as he had no arrests on his record in Texas, it wouldn't show up. A taxi driver. Yeah. Or anybody, anybody going, uh, undergoing a fingerprint check. I mean, this includes, I mean, tons of people do. Teachers do. A lot of government officials do. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the city transportation department can, even if somebody is convicted of murder or rape, they can they have discretion to just let it slide. They have not released numbers on how many they've let slide, but they've said that yes, we have allowed convicted felons uh, to you know, we've given them a chauffeur's license, which is what all taxi and limo drivers in Austin have to have. So that means that there's no evidence that whatever background check uh Uber and Lyft are doing is is uh, less efficient than what the city does for taxi drivers. Okay, well, the background check Uber and Lyft did. All right, so what happened after the this after the statesman exposed this is that Ann Kitchen immediately went on the defensive and uh, proposed an ordinance that would mandate. National uh, fingerprint checks. And so national fingerprint checks are done using the FBI's database. Mm-hmm. The problem with those, and this was not at all discussed, and I think this, I mean, Uber and Lyft made multiple strategic errors, including just the massive overload campaign. But I mean, the biggest problem is they didn't really explain why they opposed fingerprinting. I mean, why is it such a big deal? And even, you know, I got asked that so many times that I finally ended up doing my own goddamn research and found out that the FBI database is entirely reliant, at least, I mean, at least for reporting any state or local level crimes, it, it is reliant on voluntary uploads into their system. And this is the kind of shit that you have... I mean, these aren't like, you know, electronic scans. They're all done on ink. So they have to be physically scanned one by one. <laughs> and, like, not... I don't think they fax it these days, but it's a total pain in the ass. And, I mean, the biggest cities with the worst crime problems are the ones that are most likely to not upload their prints. So a total of 25% of the prints taken by local law enforcement and also state troopers and all that never make it into the FBI database. Right, but people read, hey, we're going to do, uh, we want to, if you vote against it, you know, we're supporting FBI, you know, background checks. So you see, this the FBI, they think it's better than whatever Uber and Lyft are doing. Right, and that's a, I mean, it's a, so fal- it's a false perception. It's a false sense of security. So I got to play, no one's Go playing the other side, so I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Go ahead, um, so 25% don't get through. That still means 75% are getting up there. Right. And so in addition to whatever background checks, you're still getting a good 75% run of, of that information. What is, how does that differ from what Lyft and Uber are doing without fingerprints? Like how, is that better, worse? I mean, they're doing fingerprints. They're using third parties to do that, right? 
Okay, what Uber and Lyft both do is an electronic background check on virtually every county in every state. The only exceptions, to my knowledge, are like the most rural counties in Wyoming where they still use typewriters and have shit on paper. Paper process, sure. Um, I know the state of Massachusetts, for some reason, is not in it, but that's the only major omission. And the entire population of Massachusetts is not anywhere near 25%. So on whole, uh, I think, I mean, the thing is, no one has ever actually done any sort of like... um, Comparative analysis on that? Well, yeah, a formal study. I mean, because this wasn't really an issue, per se, until uh, TNCs proliferated. Um, Has there been some bigger issue? I mean, I've always wondered about this conversation around these checks and backgrounds is, was there a catalyst event that happened that made them want to do this? Like, has something happened in Austin? When we know that one event in, was it Michigan, that happened, but still... sexual assault? Yeah, well, there was like driver? one or two things, and there was a guy shooting people. But as as crazy as that sounds, when you look at the sheer volume, that's point zero 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 one percent of right, 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 right. And so yeah, I'm sure you look at taxis and, and compare that percentage. I mean, was what was the catalyst for that? What's their justification? I that, mean, take, a, a, take aside the money. I know there's, there's there's that being said. Is there a public public statement that the other that the advocates for this law? Point to no, not no. not really. Um, I mean, what Mayor Adler uh, spoke to the head of Safe Place, which is you know a resource center for uh, women who've been sexually assaulted, and she said just basically she thought she'd heard a lot of stories. That is. Entirely anecdotal, number one. And number right. two, it was not backed up by the actual police reports that came out at the end of 2015, which showed that basically you are, on a per capita basis, three times more likely to be sexually assaulted in an Austin taxi than a TNC. So that's a stat I didn't hear, and that's what exactly. I was looking for. Exactly. I mean, I throw it out on Lyft and Uber, like, that's the data that people wanted to see. Yeah. Right? That's the big comparison. What, who's doing it better? Yeah, I mean, they, their, their campaign was a lot of... Uh, well, the DWI case, I think they pushed that. Uh, that's good. It even, even if, the, the from what I read, the data didn't, didn't quite support it, but they said that there was the reduction of like 23% of DWIs uh, and all, something like that. Well, okay. It was but, but, but it wasn't, you know... Um, the research was not as accurate as it should have been. There was no direct correlation that uh, because Uber and Lyft are in Austin, that that's why DWIs went down. Well, I've read that too. And plus, like a day or two before Prop 1, the, the APD came out and claimed some sort of that they used the wrong methodology and only 12%. I mean, 12% is a pretty considerable number, mm-hmm. number one. No, but the thing is that you are correct that, that w- there would not necessarily be a correlation if you were just looking at Austin, but if you look at dozens of different mm-hmm. cities 
we're looking at across the board 15 to 25% drops in DWI crashes, wrecks, and in some cases, fatalities. Uh, In the first full year after Uber and or Lyft uh, commenced service. So, uh, I mean, and at the last December meeting that, uh, you know, it's the final one where they voted on it, um, the APD police chief, Art Acevedo, and um, Travis County Sheriff, now uh, since replaced, but Greg Hamilton, they both said you should keep, I mean, you should not introduce fingerprinting because there is a far great, you're talking about hypotheticals because, I mean, you know, Ann Kitchen tried to say, I mean, her constant thing was this is about public safety, but there was no quantifiable data showing that there was any public safety danger, whereas drunk driving, it is, I mean, the police have accurately called it an epidemic in Austin. And, I mean, we have one of the highest rates in the country, and it escalated every year until 2014 when it went down a little bit, and then 2015, it went down a lot because that was the first full year that Uber we left around. have a drinking around. problem. <laughs> well, we have a transportation problem. Yeah. Well, we have both. Yeah, both. <laughs> <laughs> there are not a good combination of problems to have. Yeah. <laughs> So are, are you, you still keeping up with all the outcome, everything that's going on with the uh, – and now that the, now that Prop 1 failed, I mean, there's all these apps that are coming out, new services. Have you tried any of them or Get Me and Z-Trip and – Warp. Um, War- I, never, I haven't heard that one yet. <laughs> it's the ther- those, are the three, those are three alternatives. Yeah. Um, Get Me is – sketchy to put it mildly it has i mean for instance a ceo that refuses to reveal his identity i thought yeah <laughs> why the fuck is that Especially I mean, now. acceptable mm. and i don't know if you saw i mean this is a company that is trying to you know think i mean basically i think that they are in so far this is like a quickie mart trying to become walmart overnight and I think that they're going to crash and burn almost. I mean, they're having problems with their app. They were having yeah. them before Uber yeah. and Lyft left. I re- and- Sorry, I, I read a bunch of uh, articles of people who tried to use Get Me. Like, I waited 10 minutes and then it never showed up. Or, yep. you know, I, I, I didn't know where the driver was. And it said you know, it was going to be in two minutes. It showed up 15 minutes later. Or and then yet you would charge a cancellation fee, all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean... They didn't exp- one. If they were smart, they would have anticipated all of this stuff and at least improve, you know, their user experience and their app. Knowing, you know, this this there is a wave going on of cities going, hey, we need to regulate Uber and Lyft, and the, whoever that mysterious CEO was should have been like, all right, this is our chance. We can't fuck this up. We have to make sure our service works. And then now here they are, and like, oh shit, we have to fix the bugs. We have to do this. You have to do that. I'm like, yeah. come they on. should have started more small time. Yeah, I'm not trying to take over the whole city. Yeah, that's like healthcare.gov. I mean, it. I mean, it almost crashed and burned because the website was down for the first few months. I mean, thankfully it's recovered. But no, the biggest problem with Get Me and Z Trip and, and all the others is that they do not have surge pricing. And you know, I know people hate surge pricing. But surge pricing is what guaranteed uh, that you would have 
an Uber or Lyft car at your house or wherever you are, generally within 10 minutes or less, or in many parts of Austin, five minutes or less, mm-hmm. and 24-7. Get Me has the same fundamental problem that taxis have, that they cannot possibly scale to meet demand on at peak periods, which, you know, particularly, I mean, even your average Friday and Saturday night. Taxis can, okay, I saw the stat a, a while back of, like, of before Uber and Lyft arrived, and they met 20% of the total demand on an average Friday. Forget about all the events, the mm-hmm. F1, ACL, South by, I mean, that they, I mean, they just, did not have enough drivers and get me. I mean, it, all right, admittedly the taxi companies have a limit on the number of permits they're allowed to have. But the other reason it, that get me, even if they have 10,000 drivers is that no one wants to work the drunk shift because you have drunk assholes. A lot of whom, I mean, if you're picking up on dirty six or, yeah. you know, like know. Just college <laughs> kids, I've been there. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, particularly, I mean, Uber, even Uber had 40% of their drivers are women. And I have heard just stories that make my skin crawl about how they have been fondled to, I mean, dozens, if not hundreds of times, depending on how much often they drive. To the extent that a lot of, lot of Lyft and Uber female drivers just decided, even though it's the most lucrative time to work because surge pricing is high, right. they just said, fuck it. I'm not working Saturday night. I'm sick of people grabbing my tits and uh, being total assholes. So, so get me. Without surge pricing, there's no incentive. But anyway, there's, there's, so, there's those are the pro- so let's to, to recap the problem so we can then yeah. move forward to the solution. So problem, problem right now is... Volume of cars, right? There's an issue. There's not enough cabs. If we revert back to cabs. Correct. Get me. Technology is clearly a problem, right? Their app is not good enough. Right. right. Um, there's no incentive for the drivers to come during peak times, right? I make just as much money if I take someone to work as I do picking up a drunk person at night. Right. Right. right? So it sounds like three major incentive problems that need to be solved. Of course, sure, Uber and Lyft solve those, but where do we go from now? Well, I mean, there, there's the. Uh, uh, are they moving it to the state legislature? Legislature. Well, for okay. 2017. Yes. To make it a state law, I, I I didn't quite get if it was. I think it was for to keep Uber and Lyft operating instead of having all these uh, inconsistent practices in all different cities. So if the state gets involved and go, okay. This is the rule to operate in right. Texas, and this is how we roll. We want to keep Uber and Lyft because all the reasons we, we, we mentioned, uh, but it needs to be consistent throughout the state and not, okay, Austin is like this, Houston is like that. So that, they're, they're looking into that. Yes, they are, and they did so uh, last year as well, um, that, or their, la- their last session. And like many bills, it did not make it out of committee. Like last session, you probably remember there was all the controversy about uh, the House Bill Two, which uh, closed most of the state's abortion clinics, and Wendy Davis doing her filibuster uh-huh. and all that. So 
It didn't get passed then. In the past few days, however, uh, several state legislators have said that they plan to introduce it again in 2017. And, you know, I see both sides there. I mean, I don't like the idea of a state regulation usurping local control. But on the other hand, I mean, very few, almost no, uh, I mean, outside, like in Austin, Houston, Dallas, whatever, once you leave the city limits, it's you're essentially entering the uh, Wild West. I mean, no suburb of Austin, for instance, has any laws or regulations relating to TNCs. So in that, you know, if the, I mean, I don't think they'll do this, but if the legislature passed a law that regulated TNCs in only in areas without a current law, that'd be great. But I think they're probably just going, I mean, because... Is there any precedent for this type of law? Uh, yeah, actually, 30 states have uh, statewide laws for TNCs. Interesting. And, oh. So there's so there's precedent to kind of look at and, yeah, and, and follow. And in their home market uh, in California, TNCs are regulated by state law passed by the, the legislature. The California Public Utility Commission, which, I mean, th- this is not how it is in Texas. And I think California might be unique, but... They were given regulatory control over ground transportation like 50 years ago. So they've been regu- regulating taxis even all this time. And uh, there is, are local controls. So they have like three different ones. And they've been pretty hard. Uh, I mean, they, they fined Uber $7 million for not supplying uh, enough data that they're required to supply by, uh, about ridership data that they're required by law. They Uber got sued by and this you know this was mentioned during our campaign although they misrepresented it that they were were sued by the um, San Francisco and L.A. Uh, DA's offices for uh, for publishing misleading advertising but and that was you know used here but what they failed to mention is number one this happened in. 2013, long before they launched here. Number two, the only thing they were saying is, or things like that their uh, background checks were the best in the industry, which, <laughs> speaking as a lawyer, that is arguably what one could call, uh, I mean, it, this is actually a legal term of art, puffery. I mean, you're allowed to, to like, yeah, say we have the biggest selection in town. I mean, and it's not necessarily taken literally. It's not binding. Right. But uh, so, I mean, they ended up, Uber ended up, in, you know, plus this is the L.A. County DA. Mm-hmm. Does the term OJ ring any bells? They're not like the most competent organization in the first place. I thought the lawsuits were stupid, but Uber ended up on Settling both of them, and unfortunately, they th- just bad timing. They happened to settle them in the middle of the Austin debate. So, one thing I forgot to check: are the other Uber services also? Cut? What, do mean, what do you mean? Oh, like Uber Eats? Uber, Uber Eats, <coughs> Uber Pets, Uber. Uber Eats is still operating. Oh, I oh, didn't so know it's that. Ju- it's just a uh, regular Uber, I would call it. So you don't need fingerprints to deliver food. 
Uh, no. <laughs> it's, it's, and I meant to ask it earlier. Is fingerprints the? Was that the only? Was that the that was deal the, breaker? I think that was the biggest deal because the other issues were on Prop One were uh, the emblem on the cars to identify the, the trade dress. Trade dress. Trade dress on yeah. the cars, which they're already doing. I yeah. mean, you recognize the lift car. In New York, you see a lot of... Some individuals don't do it. Yeah, but not everybody does it. Yeah, but that's... And then the other one was the 1% revenue, annual revenue to the city. That's our... I mean, that was part of the original bill. Right. So really it's the fingerprint. So it was the fingerprinting. So is it one of those debates that, okay, it's, uh, you know, corporate trying to take over and be unregulated and be able to do whatever they want, you know, versus the government trying to... Is it, is it a regulation issue, I guess, is my question. Well, that's how it's been presented, but that's bullshit. <laughs> it, Uber is re- it, it not only is regulated, it has been regulated since the October bill passed. I mean, we, have a nine, we had a nine-page bill that I wrote. I literally wrote a, a fair chunk of it. And we had very specific requirements for what their background checks had to cover, what the vehicle checks had to cover, uh, what data they had to report. And, I mean, just I mean, a, a ton of stuff. And we had actually, at the time, what was one of the most comprehensive TNC bills that at that point had been passed in the country. And, um, and you know, Uber and Lyft, during our discussions, uh, they did not like that, uh, particularly the data reporting stuff. Um, they didn't like it at all, but they, I mean, they compromised. Right. See, and, and that's the thing that I, I noticed throughout, even before this, uh, the, uh, the ordinance came up. I'm not sorry. It was after the ordinance came up. At least the city went up and said, okay, how about we compromise and we make the uh, background, fingerprint background checks optional. And you give incentive to drivers to get checked, and if they get checked, then they get priority access to loading zones and drop zones. Or that was on the table at one point. And that then was. Uber and Lyft said, "No, we're not having that either." Hmm. Now the problem with the uh, Adler's original offer was that, I mean, it was voluntary in the sense of having a gun pointed at your head that. Yeah, you can have access to all of the most lucrative spots in the city if you submit, but if not, you're cutting off your income by probably 60%. So it was not truly voluntary. San Antonio is truly voluntary. There are no conditions. So If it's truly voluntary, what's the incentive for them to get it, though? I mean, there's got to be some incentive, some carrot. Well, that's kind of where... Adler's thumbs up program came from is that, you know, for the people who do, uh, you know, are uncomfortable using Uber or Lyft because drivers aren't fingerprinted, that they can specify that they want a fingerprinted driver. So, I mean, the final compromise that... I mean, that could suck for them if there's no one, if it's voluntary and I'm not, as a driver, I'm not making any more money, why do I want to get fingerprinted? Well, I mean, honestly, they, in, in San Antonio, they're have not really been very many people have gotten fingerprinted. Um, but on the other hand, but there's no incentive. There's, you said it's all optional, right? It is. Um, but people have also not complained that people, that the drivers are not fingerprinted. Um, so, I mean, the thing is, I mean, it, there's, 
incentives, and then there's blackmail. So, I mean, there's a kind of a... Well, it's also perspective. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, but no, but the final compromise that Adler was scrambling to put together at the, like the, you know, at the drop-dead date before... This was, you know, after the uh, right-sharing works petition had been certified by the city clerk. I mean, the, the city had, I think like 10 days to either change their original ordinance or just send it to a vote. So Adler, to his credit, was scrambling around trying to uh, fashion a compromise. Right. And he did so. He got, he, you know, basically Uber and Lyft agreed to, I mean, all right, I've not, I don't think anyone's actually seen, to my knowledge, the letters of, of intent that both companies signed saying that they would agree to this voluntary fingerprint program that um, I think was similar to San Antonio's. It might have had you know, certain incentives. I'm not sure of the details, but Adler proposed it to the council, and Ann Kitchen would not budge. It was mandatory or, or not, nothing. nothing. Yeah. And so it lost 6-5. Uh, I mean, oh, so... Yeah, so she, um, Ann Kitchen is an experienced, uh, you know, former state legislator. And Adler, I mean, he was a lawyer for 20 years, but he's new to politics. So uh, Kitchen just kind of, I mean, if, you're, if you heard or saw that meeting, she just kind of, I mean, she's a master at, Pulling together a coalition. No, I was going to yeah. say uh, spin control and making you sound like you're uh, Satan incarnate if you oppose mandatory fingerprinting. I mean, it's she just. It, I can see how she learned that in the Texas legislature, even though she uh, was a Democrat. But um, yeah, so that's what happened, and. So here we are. So if people want to get it changed locally, what's their what's their next steps? Is it is it pressure on city council or is it just wait for it to cycle through and vote for a new council and have that as a as a as a big issue? Well, there are a few different things that could happen. I mean, first of all, um, we have to see how you know the three wannabe heirs to the throne, including Get Me. Work out. I mean, I I have my opinion. I think it's based on, you know, it's an educated opinion, but I'm not sure. Sure. I mean, in San Antonio, what happened is that uh, I mean, you know, admittedly, it was not a public referendum there. But as soon as the city council uh, mandated fingerprints and Uber and Lyft both left, uh, There was a massive uproar. San Antonio just was getting embarrassed on a national level. People calling them out. Um, I think, I mean, that's already kind of started to happen in Austin. People are pissed. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the thing is that, I mean, most, I think most, I mean, only 17% of the you know, registered voters went to the polls. And I think most of them were, to, you know, just people adamant one way or the other. A lot of people who just who use it a lot just kind of assumed, actually I assumed, even though I did vote, but I assumed that even the, 
I mean, I won't, I won't name him, but one one of the head operatives on the opposition thought uh, Uber at one point thought like that Prop One would pass eighty twenty. I mean, if it uh, actually they went out and asked students if they uh, wanted, if they voted. A lot, most of them didn't. Yeah, I mean, most of them not even registered to vote. Yeah, <laughs> which I mean, is not a problem. So moving forward, uh, what's your? I guess keep going on your on on your thought. I just wanted to solutions or next steps. Yeah, next steps. I mean, there's a march going on 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 the 26th yeah. Thursday. There's a march on South Congress uh, at 10 a.m. I think what's going to happen is the you know Adler is gonna, definitely going to be pushing. I mean, Adler actually, I mean, is a supporter of riot sharing. He didn't want this to happen. And, you know, I've heard this directly from multiple people who worked with him mm-hmm. all of last fall. And there will be a lot of pressure on the city council in particular to, I mean, particularly once people kind of settle down to, and, you know, once they start to see that it's actually the council that's being unreasonable, that uh, they're going to, I think that they will end up capitulating on the fingerprinting and having it be man, having it be optional, optional, optional. possibly with incentives. Um, and if that doesn't happen, I mean, in January, when the ledge comes back into session, I think they'll just pass a bill and it'll be state at that point. It'll be state statewide. Yeah. And it'll be a lot less regulated at the state level than it would, uh, appear. Cool. Cool. All right. ACL first weekend. Second weekend, actually, both weekends for you. Both weekends, but if I had to choose one, second weekend because of Willie. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll probably get it, do another show. We have time yeah, to do get, another as show. Get as we get closer, we'll, we'll try to get people from C3 on the show, actually. <laughs> um, any shout-outs you'd like to make, Jeff? Shout-out to Adler. <laughs> uh, Shout-out to Anne No, I'll, I'll just say that you know, I'm, uh, I've written a few pieces on this that have gotten pretty good uh reception thus far it's on uh medium so it's medium.com and then at ampersand uh jeff kirk j-e-f-f-k-i-r-k and that that should pull up uh my all my all the you know things i've written so far yeah i'll put it i'll put it in uh in the post any shout outs for you no, but um, I will be running a follow-up follow article on the ACL side of this podcast. Okay. So it'll have my graphs and information and a lot of the breakdowns. I'll do a little piece. I'm not, I'm not as specialized in Prop 1, but if, you give me, if um, Jeff gives me his, his address that he just shouted out, I'll put in my article just so people can follow up on that. So be on the lookout for that Thursday once the, video, once the uh, podcast is out. The, the, all the information will be on the post on the feedback.com, uh, which I just reworked, so bear with me. I'm still adding... Uh, all the stuff on there. Uh, real quick, we got announcements to make. Uh, we'll be doing, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with the music scene and the Omnibus Initiative. Uh, basically, the mayor came out earlier this year saying we need to save us in music. So uh, there's, there's, there's been these town hall meetings with people from the Music Commission, the Art Commission, um, artists, performers, and venue owners, yeah. and trying to put together a plan on how to save Austin music because this is it's not good at all. And we had the, you know, the census. That yeah, the census report. Actually, the report card that got a C-minus. I got to, yeah. 
Shout out to Jennifer Houlihan for all the work. Awesome well, music people. Okay, actually, uh, Nikki Rowling, who founded Austin Music Foundation. Yes. She's the one who did the census. She is also one of my best friends since eighth grade. I know. Oh, nice. I, we're, she, we're OGs. So. Uh, <laughs> Sandlot shout out. <laughs> right, so we'll be doing a, a, a whole series on that. We'll invite uh, some of the commissioners, some of the people, maybe the mayor, to talk about this thing. And uh, in the meantime, we're back officially. The Feedback Podcast is back, literally. Well, and Miko, <laughs> <laughs> and Miko. But uh, we'll be doing we'll be doing this every Tuesday. Make sure you tune in. Uh, tell your friends, tell your people, tell your coworkers, tell your neighbors. Thefeedback.com. You can go to thefeedback.com/slash/itunes uh, to subscribe uh, on SoundCloud. Same thing. Uh, follow the feedback on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. We got a lot of stuff coming up. So, uh, yeah, anything you want to add? Hey, just a couple of thanks. Thanks for Jeff coming out. Thanks. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. Uh, thank, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no, thank honored. you. I appreciate it. Uh, it's good to be back. Ooh, uh, man, I, I can keep going yeah. and going and going. Th- thanks for calling for helping us produce. Yes, and, we uh, got for our secret coming out. So, we, I just want to give a thanks. Thanks for everyone on the chat. I don't recognize everyone's name, but. Yeah, shout out to uh, Eva. Shout out to. Is that Rob Unit House? There? Yeah, that's Eva. <laughs> Um, Robert Toma, who watched and my we'll, people from Houston, and we'll get a. If, by the way, this doesn't end now. I mean, the conversation is going to keep going. So if next week, you know, this is still going on, we'll have we'll keep talking talking about it. See what's up with this thing because everybody's affected by this, and uh, it's not easy. But yeah, we did without, and now we're it's convenient and we're used to it. Now it's going like ah. Shit. It's hard to take it away once you have it. Yeah, exactly. You, 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 Don't take shit one. for granted, folks. Yeah, that's the lesson. Don't take shit for granted. Be involved in your civic, yeah, civic duties. More people came out for to vote for the primaries than for this. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I still, I'm like, I don't get this. I voted in both. Yeah, I did too. America, go figure. Anyway, all right. Thank you, everybody. We we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Ciao, ciao. Woo.